him is in July 2001, Birmingham, Alabama, in a church, believe it or not, called Gloryland Baptist Church. That's the first time I ever sang that song. What a wonderful song. I don't know where in the world why I thought it was to God be the glory, and, um, but uh, maybe that's the way my... We sang that Sunday. Didn't we sing to God be the glory Sunday? I thought we did. And uh, um, man, I don't know. I'm off of my head, I guess. I typed it in there wrong. All right, amen. Well, guys, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Do hope and pray again. You've had a blessed week. Let's open our Bibles up to Proverbs in chapter 3 this morning. We're going to start. We're going to begin a, a series here, about a four or five week, maybe six week series on our Wednesdays. And um, a new one out of Proverbs chapter 3. Now, I know I have four sermons uh, for this, but there's a good chance that we break them apart as well. Uh, to, to give us just a little bit more time and not have to go through so much on a given Wednesday. Proverbs chapter 3, guys, when you get there, uh, if you're able and willing to this morning, I ask you to stand as we honor the reading of the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Uh, the Bible tells us here, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Um, for length of days and long life and peace uh, shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel. And marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity and time uh, to be here this morning. I pray, dear Lord, again that you take the, the preaching and teaching of your word, write it upon our hearts, dear Lord. Help us examine ourselves, uh, dear Lord, and what corrections and alterations and improvements that we need to make uh, in, to fall in line with thy holy scripture. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. So, beloved, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, God's given us a promise on how to have a fruitful life. But he's given us a promise of how to have a fruitful life um, through contentment. And that's one of the areas that that we find today that more than likely uh, few people are truly content with the life they have. And never confuse contentment with complacent or complacency. And, uh, and because one of the reasons we need to understand today, complacency robs you of the desire and the drive to win, to be successful, to be victorious in your life, to do things the way you should in order to have the, the, uh, the fruit on the other side of what you want. That's one of the things that complacency does. But we're talking about contentment here, and your life is going to be fruitful if you will fall the long line of being contented today. So I'm going to ask you this question this morning, and this will be at the forefront, if you will, of the entire series. Do you want your life to be fruitful? Do you want to have a sense of joy and fulfillment in your life? Now, beloved, I'm convinced of this one fact, that everyone at some time or another in the days of this earth, they have had a desire for their life to mean something. Everyone wants to make an impact in this life. And guys, this is what we understand. This is why, this is the reason that inside each and every one of us, we have a desire to leave a legacy. That's our theme this year, legacy, living a life worth leaving, which is leaving a life, living a life worth leaving to others. 
to have an effect on those that are around us, to have a sense of contentment in our life. And beloved, simply put, we all desire to be fruitful in our days. And in order to be fruitful, guys, in order for us to reach out beyond expectations, be the expectations of others or our own, we're going to have to depend on God, hands down. We're going to have to depend on God, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing or where we are or when it's happening, we're going to have to depend on the Lord. So you may be sitting here this morning. You may be saying to yourself, how can I make a difference in my life? How can I have a lasting value in these days? Maybe you look at your life and you say, uh, you know, I'm only here. I don't have anybody around me or, or I, I see people all day long, but I don't speak to anyone. And uh, maybe I'm just in one location, two locations, three locations, one location, two locations, three locations. You're seeing, well, maybe you're seeing the same people. That's fine. Repetition, repetition, repetition can still make a difference in people's lives. The truth of the matter is everyone in this world has value. Everyone is special in the eyes of God. No one, and I say no one in this life is without significance. I believe that with all my heart. You may be sitting here thinking you have no significance. You may be sitting here miserable in your life today, yet your life has significance, but you've got to choose to make it significant. You've got to choose to do something with it. Your counterpart can't do, do with your life what you can do. Our life can and will have meaning when it's filled with contentment. It's a struggle. I'm not going to say it's not. And there are verses, guys. There are verses in, in our passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. Um, the verses that I regularly refer to in, in my daily walk, uh, they, they operate as a, as a constant reminder of not only God's greatness, but His power. And they function as a, almost like a formula, if you will, for comfort in, in, in my life personally and ensuring me that God's never going to leave me. Now, if we were to ask, if we were to ask for everyone in this room to put their hand up who has felt like they've been left alone, even by God, and I'm not, I understand we know the Bible, and we know that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us, but that doesn't change the feelings at times. Everyone in here will be honest that they felt like they've been in a time of disparity, a time of darkness, and they would raise their hand as high as they could, saying, yeah, I have felt like he's left, but we know. And we're assured by the Holy Scripture that he hasn't. And so that's where we're going to kind of tie into today. One simple point. Truth, number one, we need to understand there's a prerequisite to our opening point today. The truth of the Word of God, the truth of the validity of Scripture, is the opening point of having a fulfilled life with contentment. Can I say this to you on the onset, guys? If you're not content in where and who and what you are this morning, not complacent, content, you're never going to have a fruitful life. You're going to have a dead, miserable life, and you're going to make people around you miserable as well. Now, I'm not saying that, pointing that out to, to any one particular individual, anyone listening online or, or myself. I'm just giving you the facts. If you want to be fruitful, you're going to have to be content where you are, with what you are. Again, not complacent. I don't want to have to keep saying this disclaimer. I'm not telling you to settle on second best or a mediocre Christianity. That's co the complete opposite that I'm saying. I'm telling you that if you want a fruitful life in Christ, a fruitful life in this world, you're going to have to learn to be content with where you are, with what you are, 
and even for that matter for how you are. So prerequisite tonight, or the today, to our opening point in having a fulfilled life and contentment is treasuring God's word. Treasuring God's word. Now, before you switch off, because we're Bible believers, we're, we, you know, this right here, you know, well, bless God, I'm a Bible believer, so I mean, you know me, I'm going to treasure the Word of God. Can I, tell you that the, can I tell you this morning that the litmus test of how you treasure the Word of God is how you live the Word of God? It's got nothing to do with what you say. It has everything to do with what you live. And we must ask ourselves, guys, is God's Word important to us? Well, preacher, I do my scripture writing every day, so do I. Preacher, I read my Bible every day. So, so do everybody else does. But you know what? We could do our scripture writing, tick box, our scripture reading, tick box, our member, our verse memorization, tick box. And then we could walk out the door, we could walk in our living room, we could go grab another cup of coffee and still be miserable in this life and be unfruitful because we're still uncontent. We're still discontented. You want fruit in your life, guys. You're going to have to find contentment. It's going to start with treasuring God's word in your life. We've got to ask ourselves, is the word of God near and dear to our hearts? Is it near and dear to our lives? There was a Roman Catholic priest one time in Belgium who rebuked a young woman uh, and her brother for reading that bad book, and he pointed to the Bible. Mr. Priest, she replied, a little while ago, my brother was an idler, a gambler, a drunkard, and made such a noise in the house that no one could stay in it. And since he began to read the Bible, he works with industry, goes no longer to the tavern, no longer touches cards, brings home money to his poor old mother, and our life at home is quiet and delightful. How come, Mr. Priest, that a bad book produces such good fruit? I would imagine in that thing, I would imagine the priest stood silent, which you know, had nothing to say, which is a very good thing. It would suit the world much better if every Catholic priest on the planet would just be quiet and sit down. You see, beloved, what's important to you? What's important in your life? Think about it like this. Whatever is important to you, whatever is important in your life gets attention. Whatever is important to you receives affection. I mean, think about it like this. Think about something. Think about it right now. It doesn't matter if it's carnal. It doesn't matter if it's spiritual. It doesn't matter if it's both. What, in, what is something that's near and dear to you right now? And I don't know what it is, but it could be. You know what could be near and dear to you? Healthy eating. Healthy eating. And you know what happens if you're going to eat healthy? That means you're going to have to prep food. That means you're going to have to spend the time and the money to cook the food and have it ready. You're going to have to labor and give attention to healthy eating. There's no other way around it. Unhealthy eating is easy. Just slip through the drive-thru, get a fatty burger, you're good to go, run all about yourself. Go down to the takeaway, that's easy. But if, if healthy eating is important to you, and I'm not saying it should be or shouldn't be, it's going to cost you something, and it's going to require your attention, and it's not easy. Let's be honest. Now, video games. Are video games important to you? I know someone <laughs> that video games is important to him, and he don't have them anymore, and he won't have them for 27 weeks. But they, got his, they have his attention, don't they? What about exercise? Exercise. If it's important to you, it gets your attention. Artwork. Bailey likes to do artwork. I, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. I can't draw flies. But I know with her artwork, you know what happens? You know, in, in order for her to get better at it, 
she has to give attention to it. She has to give affection to it. Cleaning the house. Cleaning the house. My wife has a system set up of how she cleans rooms and what she does and how she does it. She does that so she's ordered. The, the house is decently in an order. It's clean. It's typically perpetually clean. But you know why the house is clean? Because it's important to her. And she does it. It gets her attention. Whether it be classes, whether it be church, whether whatever it is, guys, think about today. And none of those things that I just mentioned are bad. I'm not saying they're bad for your attention. But no matter what it is, it has your attention, it has your affection. You spend time with it, you protect it, and even throughout the day or the week. Why? Because you've treasured it in your heart. And guys, I'm not saying eating healthy or playing the game here and there or exercise. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that you have to lose that in order to gain this. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is proving the point that if it's important to you, if it has the affection and the attention, that's what reveals its importance to you in your life. You treasure it. So, beloved, if you desire to have a life of fulfillment, contentment in the days that we live, a life producing fruit, God's word, his instruction, his directing, precious, perfect word must be a treasure in your heart. Jesus Christ said this. Jesus Christ said, he said, for where your, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And whether we want to agree with this verse or not, I have no earthly idea why you would not. Uh, guys, we know it's true. Our heart is where our treasure is, and it doesn't mean uh, that we cannot have uh, things in this life that we are dedicated to or committed to. We should be committed to excellence in all that we do. But what it does mean is we must treasure the element that God has given us, and he's given us his word. So when we begin to treasure his word, we find his blessings in our life more and more. Look with me in our text in verse um, verse 2, again, verse 1 is the, uh, the picture of forget not my law. This is how you show your treasure of God's word. Let thine heart keep my commandments. And then here we find, uh, we find the blessings in our life more and more. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. This doesn't mean that if you treasure the word of God in your heart that you're going to live longer on this earth. It's not what that means. Uh, this is not what I'm saying. If that be the case, there's a whole lot of explaining to do uh, throughout the stories in the Scripture. But what does it mean? Remember, we're speaking about a fruitful life, meaning God will so guide us in our life when we treasure His Word in a way for our life to be full, content, full of things which make a difference. So many people go through their life unhinged today, doing whatever comes next, and at the end of the day or the week or the month or the year, uh, they look back and they have nothing to show for all the time that they've spent. And God is telling us that if we will live by his principles, forget not my law, that he will lengthen our days, he will stretch our days and our years so that we can accomplish more. The promise is that God will, will become involved in our days and involved in our years and that he will stretch those days and those years as the fruitfulness in our life. And guys, we can, we can and we will accomplish more in the life by adhering to the principles of God, by in, in, adhering to his principles found in his word than those who have the same amount of time in their life who ignore God's words and God's principles. There are going to be days where it seems as if every minute, every second of the day is filled up. If we will treasure God's word in our heart, we will make those days fruitful 
and he will bless us with the days and he'll bless us with days of rest and recharging as well. So when we treasure God's word, and we forget not his law, we'll accomplish more in the same amount of time than, those, than others do who disregard his word. And this is how we're making a difference. Making a difference in the ways we live and the functions and uh, bearing fruit with all that we desire to have. Living a life, guys, not only glorifying to God, but one that is marked with fulfillment. And again, I go back to the word, one that is marked with contentment and joy. You show me someone who has no joy in their life, I'll show you someone who has zero contentment in their life. So, beloved, there is an enemy of treasuring God's word, which is the same enemy of the Christian soul. The same enemy of peace in our hearts is the same enemy of having fruit, a fruitful life. And it's the number one target. It's number one target is that word contentment again. Now, I've often taught, and I still do, that the greatest enemy of contentment is, is complacency. And, and I, I really and truly, I'm, I'm going to change that just a wee bit. I think the, the, the antithesis of contentment is going to be complacency. People think that, well, I'm just content where I am. If, I mean, if you're not striving to do better, you're not content, you're complacent. There's a difference between the two. And it's true that complacency is a vile enemy. It's true today, and it was true in the days of Paul. Paul rebuked, matter of fact, he writes that second letter to the Thessalonians to rebuke them, uh, the erroneous teachings that the Judaizers had brought in, primarily concerning the, uh, the, the, the second advent, uh, the rapture of the church, the, the, the revealing of the Antichrist, and so on and so on and so on. That they were teaching that, hey, it's at hand, it's going to happen tomorrow, blah, 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 and, and doing all these things, the erroneous teachings that they were being given. And so he rebukes them, he corrects them. He's like, look, man, I told you this when I was there. But he comes on the backside in the latter part of this letter, and this is what he says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. He says, for even when we were with you, okay, he's referring back when he was there, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. And eat their own bread. Can I say this, guys, that complacency is an absolute killer. Busy work, busy bodies, which, uh, which uh, is a killer of a fruitful life, a killer of a life that is glorifying to God. It is a robber, if you will, a thief of contentment in our life. But guys, I want to dig a little deeper this morning. We're nearly finished. There is a root which leads to all of these elements, which may be stronger and more damaging than complacency. I mean, it may be more injurious to contentment than complacency ever could be altogether. And, and before I give it to you guys, I want, I want you to go to a, a passage of Scripture. We're going to read it. And I want you to look in Philippians in chapter, uh, Philippians in chapter 4. I'm going to go back to that little cartoon. Philippians in chapter 4. Just flip over. The last time I asked you to turn here this morning. Again, I say this to you guys, this root which leads to these elements, which may be stronger, more damaging than the complacency altogether. And uh, I want us to read this scripture here. And... Um,
Many have read and preached from this scripture, but I'll say this, few have mastered it, if any at all. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, the Bible says, Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now before you, amen, and take a note and lock yourself into those passages of Scripture, guys, I want to examine our hearts. I want us to stop and I want us to look at this verse and ask ourselves, are we truly treasuring God's Word in our heart? Are we treasuring God's Word in our life and actions? Contentment is not always happiness. It's not always happiness. And being content, guys, is a learning process. People complain about uh, their life. They complain about, I mean, you know, we hear it quite a bit right now. They complain. It's seven and a half degrees in here. Guys, I'm not warm right now. Do you know the warmest I've been since I walked in this church was the two seconds I had to go sit back with Denise on that heated pew. All right? But me complaining about the cold is not going to help is it? It is what it is. It's, it's January in the United Kingdom. Guys, it's dark, it's cold, and it's wet, right? It's called part of life, and you can just deal with it. I mean, I, I'm just, what I'm saying here, guys, is that contentment is a learning process. It's not something that is a switch that you flip on. Paul says, I've learned to be content. He knew how to be a base. He knew how to, ba- to abound. But the greatest enemy to winning, the greatest enemy to victory, the greatest enemy to success is being complacent in your life because complacency leads to complaining. And again, whether it's the weather, whether it's the darkness of this time of year, whether it's the inflation, the fuel prices, the, uh, the gas, guys, it is what it is. Leave it go. But there's a greater enemy out there today. A greater enemy, I would say, than complacency. And when we look at treasuring God's word in our heart, there is the enemy of envy. Of envy. I never really saw this until last night of how envy robs contentment and brings about complacency. There's a phrase that many of us have heard on a regular basis, and it's called keeping up with the Joneses. You already heard that? And i got to be honest, Daisy, I thought it originated here in Wales because of all the Joneses. But apparently it did not. So it's actually a 20th century, um, 20th century term that originated with Arthur Pop Mommins, keeping up with the Joneses comic strip in the New York Globe. And the strip was first published in 1913. It became popular uh, quite quickly. In September 1915, a a cartoon film of the same name uh, was toured in the U.S. cinemas. Now, the Joneses in the cartoon, uh, they weren't based on anyone in particular. Uh, And they weren't portrayed. They they, they were just, you know, a cartoon themselves. And um, Jones is a very common name. We understand that, kind of like Smith as well. It's merely a generic name for the quote-unquote neighbors in his um, in his comic strip. But some linked the phrase to a wealthy real estate magnate named um, a 19th century um, New York guy named George Frederick Jones. 
And the Jones family, along with many other, other rich friends, they built these increasingly lavish homes in the Hudson Valley in New York. And uh, it, it has, it's been suggested that the, uh, that the race to impress the neighbors was the source of keeping up Joneses, but the plausibility became uh, incorrect, even though it sounds right, because the phrase was not found until the comet strip appeared. So how does that get us where we are today with losing contentment in my life? Having said all that, the root of keeping up with the Joneses, the root of losing contentment in your life and being fulfilled with complacency, therefore having an unfruitful life, no joy, no peace, comes from envy and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Denise had a friend in high school, and, uh, and uh, I'm sure we've all had a friend such as this. I don't know the name, not going to call the name, wouldn't do it anyway. Uh, but if she got her hair done, the other girl got her hair done. If she got a certain pair of shoes, she got a certain pair of shoes. If she got a dress or whatever, she got a dress. And it was just a constant, continual, you know, trying to, t- you know, toppers. We've talked about that in communication before, how, how in, in conversation and communication there are, are certain people who are toppers. And I'm saying all that to say this, guys. The root of all of that, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to just because this person does something, they do it over here. Just because this person gets something, they get this over here. It's just a continuum. The root of it all is envy. But the fruit of it all is complacency. The danger of it all is the loss of contentment. And the result thereof is going to be, is going to be pure lack of joy. It's going to be pure lack of fruit. Proverbs 14.30 tells us this. It says the sound heart is, is uh, the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. So, beloved, you'll never have a fruitful life of contentment if contentment's not present. Contentment will not be part of your life when envy is the element of your thought process. And when envy is in your days, you're not treasuring the Word of God. So to finish up this morning, to be done and dusted with this part, Beloved, if you want a fruitful life filled with contentment, you need to start treasuring God's word, not just in word alone, not just in tick box, but treasure God's word. Root out envy, rebuke its byproducts, which is dragging and, and chasing others into to learning, learning how to be content in whatsoever state you are. Again, contentment is a learned process. Paul said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. So having a fruitful life of contentment, guys, part number one, is treasuring God's word. By treasuring God's word, you can root out envy. By rooting out envy, you can eliminate complacency and therefore have contentment in your life, which the byproduct of that is fruitfulness, joy, and peace. Bow our heads, if you will. Father, we thank you for time, opportunity to be together this morning. Pray that you take your word, apply it into our hearts. Help us, dear Lord, every step of the way. Lead us into the right way, dear Lord, today. I pray you keep us safe on the roads. You're going to bring us back at the next appointed time. Bless our services, Lord, coming in the weekend. Bless our prayer meeting on Friday. And Lord, I just want to give you glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for all that you've done and for who you are. And Lord, I just pray again that you remember these prayers that's gone up this morning, those requests, uh, Lord, especially for souls who are, are unsaved. Lord, that they would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask all of these things today. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. I hope preaching and teaching the Word of God is a blessing to your heart this morning, be a help to you. And uh, that is it this morning. We are dismissed.